0: Let's begin with the latest on the Ukrainian counteroffensive against its Russian occupiers.
1: It has been a stunning reversal. Ukrainian troops have swept into Kharkiv region, sending Russian troops who have controlled the area fleeing. In village after village, Ukrainian fighters have moved in, welcomed by local residents. Ukrainian flags raised once more across the region. This man says the Russians were here, then started shouting and running away, charging off in their tanks. The mayor of Derhachi tore up the Russian flag amid cheers. The Ukrainian military posted pictures of abandoned Russian tanks and equipment. It is not the first major retreat. Last winter, Russia controlled Crimea and Donetsk. The start of the war saw a military onslaught from multiple directions. Eventually, Russians pulled back to maintain a hold on much of eastern Ukraine. But in recent days, a Ukrainian counteroffensive around Kharkiv has taken back about 3,000 square kilometers of territory, according to
0: Ukraine.
1: President Zelensky addressed the Ukrainian forces, saying the world is impressed, the enemy is panicking. The gains are believed to be crucial for Ukraine to maintain political support and military supplies from its allies
0: is probably the most significant battle and moment of this war. Ukraine needed to demonstrate to its Western backers, the United States, many European nations, Canada included, that it does have a chance to win this war. In Moscow,
1: the Russian retreat was called a regrouping operation. But even on Russian television, signs of discontent with how the war is going. This former member of the state Duma declaring that Vladimir Putin was badly advised about what could be achieved. And it could mean that... The knives are coming out for, for Vladimir Putin right now. The fear is that Putin will respond with greater brutality. Russian airstrikes destroyed a power plant on the weekend, plunging much of Kharkiv into darkness. But for now, across Ukraine, spirits have been lifted. After months of enduring Russian destruction in the recaptured community of Hoptivka, troops declare the task is complete. Eric Sorensen, Global News, Toronto.
0: Richard Cloutier with you. This is still one of the biggest stories that we need to talk about. Michael Barsichu is a, a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council and a global affairs analyst joining us. I really appreciate your time. Michael, uh, how significant is this Ukraine counteroffensive and the territory that they have captured?
2: Um good evening good to be with you well it's absolutely stunning i mean compared to a little over two weeks ago when you know the morale was still you know not very good on the ukrainian side and when russians were making some gains uh, this is a, a game changer in the war you as your as the reporter uh, pointed out you have russian troops uh literally running away from uh, oncoming ukrainian forces and the latest um Estimate from President Zelensky was that Ukraine has liberated some 6,000 square kilometers from Russia, and freed more than 20 settlements in 24 hours. Settlements in 24 hours. So that's about one settlement almost every hour. Um, now, of course, uh, we have to acknowledge that the Russians still hold huge swaths of Ukrainian territory, including Donetsk and Luhansk, which they occupied in uh, 2014, and also Crimea that same year. Uh, The next, I think, um, uh, uh, thrust will be to liberate Kherson. It's extremely strategic down in the south. And also, um, of course, something needs to be done with the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, which threatens the whole world if uh, that isn't removed from the hands of Russian troops.
0: How is Ukraine being able to pull this off? Take some time and explain, because, you know, Canada, but primarily the United States and its European allies have been sending armaments there. But help us understand how this is being done.
2: Yeah, well, let me put a little bit into perspective here. So in 2014, I was seconded by Canada to the Organization for Security Cooperation in Europe in Ukraine. And uh, that's just again after Crimea was illegally uh, annexed and the invasion of Donetsk and Luhansk. At that time, uh, we would travel to the front lines and we would see Ukrainian troops in almost resembling a ragtag army, poor, poorly supplied borrowed um, uh, uniforms, uh, flip-flops, this sort of thing. But now when you see them on the front lines, they're in this great modern kit. They've got the HIMARS, the very accurate um, uh, U.S.-supplied uh, uh, weapons which can strike much further and much more accurately than before. And then the other big um, aspect working in Ukraine's favor now is technology. For example, uh, very, very good intelligence, intelligence including from satellites, but also uh, drones, uh, the Bayraktar drones uh, supplied by Turkey, uh, have been also a game changer in this war in terms of able to be able to sneak up on Russian troops from the air and strike directly. I think also uh, what is... Uh, really motivating the Ukrainian troops uh, is the high morale. It's in sharp contrast to what you see on the Russian side, where uh, they're basically running away from Ukrainian forces. In fact, it's reported that the Ukrainian officials say that they, they have so many prisoners of war on their hands, they hardly have anywhere to put them. Um, and that, of course, has triggered a um, huge, huge fall in morale on the Russian side. Uh, One could spend quite a bit of time probably speculating on how this is going to impact on Russian President Vladimir Putin. It's actually humiliating. And one more thing, I should note that today when asked um, about uh, whether... uh, Mr. Putin uh, was still supporting his military leaders. The Kremlin spokesperson, Dmitry Preskov, uh, basically avoided the question. Uh, so uh, big questions uh, there about what's going to happen in the next hours and days, uh, whether the Russians will even have the capability to regroup and uh, stop this counteroffensive. I doubt it at this point.
0: With Michael Barsicu, Richard Kluche with you. Um, in Eric Sorensen's piece, there was also mm-hmm. reference to the fact that this could um, motivate uh, the Russian president to lash out even further. And I always fear that uh, a country with a nuclear weapon could use it in a limited way. And, uh, you know, I don't think anything is out of the question, is it?
2: You're absolutely 100% correct. So I've now been temporarily based in Odessa. And um, the big fear there, even though the front line is quite a distance away, are the Russians' ability, that stockpile of long-range missiles, and also high-speed missiles. Uh, a few weeks ago in Odessa, um, we had the arrival of one of those high-speed missiles. It traveled so quickly and struck the port of Odessa that it didn't even trigger the air raid sirens al- alarm. That's a very uh, scary proposition. The other thing the Russians have and probably would not hesitate to use, especially in the current situation where they're being humiliated are uh, as we pointed out, the nuclear weapons, but also biological and chemical weapons. Finally, um, as I pointed out in a Global Mail op-ed just a few days ago, my big fear is that with Russian losses mounting, uh, the Russians will be tempted to use the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant as a weapon, um, perhaps staging a deliberate accident, but causing contamination. Of course, as everyone remembers from 1986, when you have that type of an event at a nuclear power plant. Uh, depending on the wind, it could spread anywhere. So we are definitely not out of the woods yet. And um, I, again, another fear is that uh, I think uh, Putin is unhinged and uh, he doesn't care not only about his own people, but, uh, or, but, but he doesn't care about humanity. And that's what worries me about what they have in their arsenal left.
0: How seriously do we take uh, any moves to replace Putin um You know, what I have read, including some of your works, Mm -hmm. is that he has still solidified his control, even though he becomes more and more isolated. So one wonders uh, the biggest threat to Putin from within, who or what that is.
2: Yeah, I I think it'll be more of a gradual collapse. Um, You know, we even saw this um, during the COVID pandemic where Russians were... Actually, getting sick and dying in huge numbers, you had uh, doctors mysteriously falling out of hospital uh, windows uh, it, it, the The Russians realized I think it was a bit of a wake up call of how horrible uh, their healthcare care system is because so much money has been diverted by Mr. Putin to other uses so uh, there 's growing inequality, you have the sanctions which not yet but are gradually going to make it harder for the average Russian to um, Make ends meet on a day to day basis. And then I think what could be a real trigger is if the West, including Canada, can get its act together and further, further, much more tighten the noose around the elites around Mr. Putin, including on a much uh, harsher travel ban, then um, they will they will figure out that he's no longer the winning the horse to bet on, that uh, things have to change. But uh, I think we're still quite some time away from that, but that's, I think, how I see the scenario playing out.
0: Michael Bar-Sikiu is a senior fellow of the Atlantic Council and Global Affairs Analyst. We're talking about the war in Ukraine. And one wonders, Michael, as winter mm-hmm. comes and heating prices go up, Russia puts the squeeze on energy in Europe that the diplomatic efforts to force Ukraine into some form of peace. Now, President Zelensky has you know rejected that, saying that you know Russia and its leader is unhinged. and And frankly, the confidence gained in the victories here uh, should prevail in the months ahead. But one wonders about European public opinion and uh, without subsidies on home heating, et cetera, the pressure will be on to solve this. What's your sense of what is going on behind the scenes to either win this sooner or to come up with some sort of diplomatic resolution?
2: Yeah, it's a very, very good and relevant question. Well, look, um, there are legitimate fears that... uh, support in uh, Europe for the war in Ukraine is uh, deteriorating and I'll um, point you to the uh, rally in Prague just uh, over the weekend where an estimated 70,000 000, 70, 000 demonstrators gathered to protest at soaring energy bills and they were also demanding an end to sanctions against Russia over the Ukraine war. Um, I was recently in Germany, and I spoke to people there, and they were very fearful of what the winter will bring. Um, Rolling blackouts, perhaps, uh, definitely uh, tighter uh, pocketbooks because of the soaring prices of energy. It's a big issue for uh, the incoming prime minister in the United Kingdom right now. So this uh, counteroffensive, in a way, couldn't have happened at a better time because I think Ukraine has demonstrated that there is a... um, very uh valuable uh payoff by supplying weapons to to ukraine i also think the ukrainians have been doing much better messaging in terms of explaining very very carefully and passionately what will be the consequences if ukraine does not win this war that uh, putin uh again in his unhinged uh, state will bring the war closer to the doorsteps of europeans um The Ukrainian ambassador to the United Kingdom just told the BBC a couple of days ago this very scenario that if Putin isn't stopped right now, he will try again and again. I can tell you having been in Poland a lot of uh, times recently that uh, also legitimate fears there of the war expanding there so i think people right now realize they have to keep up the sport uh, for ukraine providing them with weaponry but ukraine needs a lot more than it's currently getting Uh, this offensive is a very greedy offensive in the sense that it requires a lot of artillery a lot of weapons Um, a lot of this uh, weaponry that the west has sent is very high tech and it requires training so i think if ukraine can hold on uh continue with these gains uh the western supplied weaponry will be even more effective and one more quick thing of of course canada uh which i have written many times has bungled its overall response to the ukraine crisis well i think they um need to uh, step up, the, up to the plate further, uh, provide more of those uh, Super Bison, armored personnel, carriers, artillery, that sort of thing. That would uh, be very well appreciated in, U- in Ukraine by a friend of Canada, which hasn't been uh, stepping up as much up to the plate as it should have.
0: Less than a minute left here, but it's important to say that at a time like this, this is when leaders need to lead.
2: Yeah, leaders need to lead, and I'm thinking right now of French President Macron, He has a direct phone line to Mr. Putin. He has used that effectively, but he hasn't um, put uh, money and artillery behind his words and supply them to Ukraine. Uh, Another quick thing, um, we're seeing leadership from President Erdogan of Turkey. He's played a very, very crucial uh, intermediary role uh, negotiating that uh, grain deal uh, with the Russians, with UN and Turkish backing, uh, but also um, trying to... uh, Speak some sense into the Mr. Putin. So we need more Mr. Erdogan's around the world. I think to tell Mr. Putin it's time to stop. Bring your bring your troops home before it's too late.
0: Yeah, and of course Turkey is looking to uh, to resurrect its r- rule, right. uh, his historic role as more of a of a middle power uh, yeah. and a power broker. Um, great conversation. Let's have this conversation again because uh, yeah. it is such an important story. Michael Barsikiew. Uh, Senior Fellow at the Atlantic Council and Global Affairs Analyst.